Welcome to the official podcast of the Canberra Raiders. Join us as we go behind the limelight. Hello and welcome to the official Canberra Raiders podcast. I'm Nick. And once again, I'm joined by the Canberra Raiders media manager, Mr. Benny Pollock. G'day, Benny. Yeah, g'day, mate. It's, uh, as I said before, always good to come in after a win. And now two on the trot and four out of the last five. An opportunity to extend that this week against the Sharks. And the guys, you know, they're starting to play some really good footy, which is comforting uh, and also good to see improvement each week. We'll touch on that win against the Titans from round nine. We'll also preview round ten. Uh, big match against the eighth place Sharkies there at GIO Stadium, of course. Match day sponsor McDonald's. Uh, we'll preview that game. We'll also have a couple of the boys joining us Uncle Sia Soliola and Joe Tarpany. Apparently, he's a legend of that video game. Fortnite. Uh, we'll also have a very special Forever Green. I say it every week, they're all special, but this week we crack open Raiders Junior, Canberra Junior, and former South Sydney coach Mr. Match Michael Maguire. All this plus a lot more, so come join us because we're going behind the line. More um, happy with uh, the agent of effort. I've been saying it for a number of number of weeks and I'm sounding like a broken record, but you know, when we play Aiden, it's a pretty very tough team. It's what cost us dearly at the start of the season. It's where we uh, knocked off at uh, a couple of weeks where we were very strong for eight. We're Canberra 32, the Titans 18. What a win it was. Uh, some points scored, uh, the early ambush, a la 2016 there at home. I thought it was a great match. Blokes like Boydie played out of his skin. Tarpany had a great game. We'll catch up with him a little later. But, geez, two in a row, it's a good feeling in the air. It is. Um, it had drew a few parallels to the round one performance, actually. We got out of the blocks really strong. We scored those uh, three tries, went into the break at a, with a 20-0 lead. And then um, afterwards, the Titans scored a couple of tries. It would have been a few nervous supporters. Absolutely. I was one included Yes. Um, as the Titans uh, made that comeback uh, just after halftime. But to the guys' credit, um, they never lost sight of the mission uh, and they were able to score some more points and, and put the game to bed and uh, with about 20 minutes to go it was it was pretty safe that's the great sign that we're in now compared to round one it was definitely a uh-oh at 20 to 12 but the boys flexed their muscle got got back there on top 32 12 and of course it finished 32 to 18 good will will performance uh, in a, a desperate team and they came out strong and they got some great footballers in there blacks like Cartwright were doing some good things Flash Gordon at the back but we were just a better team on the day it was a good win yeah I think um, as you mentioned the, the forwards really stood up in this one if you look at the, the stats I think we did the buy the numbers story on the website this week and guys like Josh were Parley, Shannon Boyd, uh, Joe Tarpany. I mean, they all had big numbers uh, against their names and also run meters, tackles, all that type of stuff. When they're, when they're performing and, and when they're going forward, it's, it's where you, Blake Austins and Aiden Caesars and Jack Whitens can bounce off the back of that and create some opportunity. That's the cliche, isn't it? The forward's going forward. Forward's going forward, backs, backs do the rest. Do the, lay the foundation. They do the, they yeah, do the pretty things like the Joe, Jordan Rapana try in the corner and things oh, like that. Mate, I believe he can fly. Look, um, how great was it seeing Big Bordy in open pasture there? <laughs> Wasn't he? He stretched him out, the big fella. You know what? He had options. He had options there. on the left and right, yes, but he only had out. eyes for Elliot. <laughs> yes. He wasn't going to turn the head to the right and see what was coming up. You know, Michael Gordon would be thinking, geez, I'm glad he passed that. Yeah. Because if Boydie decided just to 
pin him back and run straight at Gordon, he might not be playing this week. Absolutely. I think he had Adder on his inside and he went with there. He went on the outside. But what about the next play um, after Adder was tackled? Um, he got the pick. He picked up the ball from Elliott. But uh, then Boydie was there at first receiver and al- almost had a try assist to Aiden Caesar under the post. Next to be putting kicks in the end goal for repeat sets. Look, it was a really good win. Uh, the boys uh, you know, obviously got to sing the, uh, sing the team song with victory. But unfortunately, there was an injury that came out of it. That big Paulo went down. Yeah, Junior's um, unfortunately going to miss eight to ten weeks. He's got a mid-foot sprain. Um, so one of those injuries where you, you can't really do a lot with it for the first few weeks. So he'll... Um continue to train and and do upper body weights and all that type of stuff but um, it'll be you know probably two or three weeks before we can get him on the ultra g treadmill the 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 zero gravity treadmill and you can do a bit of running and maintain your fitness on that a bit of bike work and things like that but you won't see him on the field for a while so that's around 16 to around 20 that that around 18 to 20 yeah we're talking there so it's the back end of the year hmm, you know we've the good thing is we've got the cattle in that position to come in and do a job. We've got guys like Liam Knight, Charlie Gubb, yeah. um, sitting on the fringes there waiting for an opportunity. Boyd is in good form. He is. He'll I think start. he'll probably start in the game. Yeah, yeah move into the starting position and uh, those guys will have an opportunity from the bench. Well, it's a big opportunity this week for blokes like Boyd to step up. Of course, we'll touch on the Sharks game pretty soon. But look, good for a win. Good little crowd out there as well. And I hope everyone gets excited about that and comes out and support the boys this week. They're playing an eighth place Sharks team who love coming down to Canberra. They're a little depleted as well, but you know they've always confident playing the Raiders, especially down here. Yeah, well, there's a as a stat. I think the last nine games that these two teams have played each other, including that first semi final in 2016, the opposition team has gone away with the chocolates. Yeah. So that's here and Shark Park. So we've had a couple of good wins over there. Though, we last have. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, like the the away weird. team seems to be winning, so we need to buck that trend this weekend. Um, as you mentioned, they are a little bit depleted on troops. Wade Graham, Josh Dugan looks as though they'll be out. Paul Gallen coming back from an injury, possibly Luke Lewis. We'll have to wait Luke and see. Luke is out, but uh, the big scary thing is Dave Fafita, Andrew Fafita, sorry. They look the, the other same. One, they look the same. He's been given the captaincy. He's really relishing that you know that leadership role, so yeah, he'll be I mean, so Moylan's, charged Matt for Moylan's Sunday. a dangerous player. Um, former Raider Edric Lee's yeah, hit some form been for them. them. So, you know, they're, a, new look they're a real the good, they're, they're a really strong, tough, experienced team, the Sharks, and they, they, they bring a lot to a, to a game of football, and they try and just grind you into submission. So um, I'm sure that Ricky will be um, having the guys making sure of that fact for this weekend. Great. Round 10 of the NRL at GIO Stadium. Big match. The Canberra Raiders up against the 8th place Cronulla Sharks. Benny, big chance to go three in a row for us and keep this uh, Raiders wheel moving towards uh, a potential finals finish. But there's some great stuff happening on game day. That's right. Match day sponsor McDonald's is looking after us down there this Ooh. weekend in the NRL Indigenous round. So the guys will be wearing the Indigenous strip uh, as all clubs are this weekend. It looks it? wonderful. Jared was up there uh, in Brisbane modelling that yesterday. Exactly right. After some <laughs> flight delays. Uh, but, you know, we're also auctioning that strip off uh, for the Cato Audio Memorial Fund. We're going to talk to Sia Soliola about that a little bit later in the podcast. But those uh, funds raised from that Jersey auction uh, will go to that fund. So jump online, allbids.com.au. The auction's live now. You can jump on there and bid for your favourite player's jersey uh, for this weekend. How many jerseys were made for that one? So the 17, the 17 jerseys that actually play in the game will be auctioned off, and then we'll have an extra one signed by just Ricky and another one signed by the entire team that plays in that match. So there'll be 19 jerseys uh, up for grabs. Uh, sorry, 18 playing jerseys, so the 18th man one. So there'll be 20 jerseys uh, up nice. for grabs all in total. So 
fantastic opportunity to raise some money for that memorial fund and as I mentioned we're, we're trying to uh, raise some big cash to help Cardo's mum um, live that dream of uh, owning her own home and it's uh, $12,000 raised so far we'd love to triple that by the end of the weekend wonderful so but also get out there and support uh, a great day and you mentioned Mac is looking after does that mean looking after you personally there or actually looking well, after well they're them? looking after everybody <laughs> at the game because we're doubling up on the power play this weekend as oh. match day sponsor if it doesn't go off in the first half we'll give it another crack in the second half uh, 35 seconds went off in last weekend so they always, we always need to try and, the power play well that's it we, that's, it's, it's all tactical we, we know always do I can feel the vibe we, we make the call up there in the box and we say it's power play time we need to try and you get one and everyone gets happy because it's 2 one. It's amazing, mate. Cam Sullings, mate. That's a good job down there. <laughs> Fafita there, he's going to lead the boys. He's going to be pretty much so charged to, to win, and he's very confident coming down to camera. I actually spoke to him a couple of years ago in that 2016 um, on the back of their premiership, and he said the toughest team he played that year was the Raiders. Mm. The fact that their big bodies, well, not think... just in the middle, but out on, out on the edges. Yeah. And, of course, Flanagan, the relationship with Ricky back there at the Shark, is he going to come down? He's so focused to get the two I points. I think it's developed into one of the NRL's big, big, big rivalries. Uh, the I Sharks think. rivals with everyone. Oh, they are. But I think they are, especially with the Raiders, though. It's yeah. just something about the game. I mean, it's that goes back to that Papali versus Gallon semi-final yes. uh, a few years yeah. ago. And then you back it up with Mick Ennis mocking the Viking clap. becoming too, be, becoming public. Don't worry, we got him on Instagram again. <laughs> uh, becoming public enemy number one. So, yeah. you know, it, it, it sort of just... The little things that have happened along the way that have that have sort of contributed to it, but I love it. I love the oh, robbery. Great. I love that's, the, that's the emotion these two about. teams played each other. It's great. Yeah, we just hope we can just uh, start well and uh, play for a full 80 minutes, complete high. They're up for the task. Get out there and support them. Welcome to the Behind the Long Night podcast, Mr. Uncle C.S. Oliola and Jay Tarpany Taps. Boys, how are you? Thanks. Yeah, good. Looking a little bit bruised there, a little bit bashed up there. Taps, what's going on there, mate? No, just a tough weekend with the boys and um, good win. Now, thank God that you got off with that uh, that high tackle. Yeah, what did you make of that, Taps? I mean, you sort of... He, he threw the ball over the sideline and then um, he sort of gave up on the play. So was it just a case of you... You just had to just drop him and that's Yeah, what I was kind of in the middle of the tackle, so I kind of let go midway. I think that's what got me the, uh, the charge and uh, just the awkward landing. So, yeah. yeah, glad I got off. How much does it play in the back of your mind? I mean, it's hard not to probably think about that, especially when you've got a big game the next week. Like anything else, you just got to really focus on your processes and things like that. But um, it does sort of play on your mind a little bit and just have to be a little bit cautious or be a little bit reserved on, on what you actually got um, caution for. But um, other than that, um, you still have to do a job for, for the boys and whatever the job that is. I mean, you went through a really tough one last yeah. year, so I mean, yeah, with the whole, with the whole Billy Slater um, incident and you know everything that followed it and all the press and social media and stuff that happened around that incident, I mean, that, yeah. that must play on your mind you know, yeah. as a person. Yeah, yeah just a little bit. Um, especially going into games and things like that, you, you just... Um, when you're actually playing, and um, you you do sort of fall fall into like certain incidents where you, maybe maybe that might happen and that again, but um, you are just a little bit more careful than because yeah. I mean before. that would that affect your aggression? Would that affect your tackling technique? Because it, I mean, nah. you're coming back and forth on the line. Oh. You just think I better probably just go rule low here and be careful. No, oh, no, not so much that, but um, 
when you're sort of like get yourself in the position where um, in, in that instance I was, I was back on the line and I sort of got up and when you we che- when you're checking defenders and you're, you're you're trying to release and relieve the um, their outside edges, it's whether you come to that decision that that quick decision whether you you commit to that tackle or you you just sort of check them and go again. That's a tap. It happens so quickly out there. I mean, yeah. something a player changes direction at the last minute. You copy him high. You know, you, all of a sudden you're on report. How how much of that sort of stuff goes through your head? Because you've got to make these split decisions every tackle in a game. Yeah, so at, at the time, you, all you're thinking about is making a tackle, really. Um, and then those little things happen, but you just got to get over it real quick because you still got a game to play. Um, but yeah, you worry about the next week if you want to play after the game. Does it scar a bit of a win, though? Oh, no, I, I, I try and enjoy the win. Uh, I don't yeah. really worry about it till until it comes out, but um, thankfully it wasn't that um, bad. Well, I'm saying to... Sam Burgess, he yeah. doesn't worry him. He just comes out and does it again oh, next no. week. Like he's, that's his. But that's his Stand. style. That's his aggressive yeah. style of play. Well, they've got to work on him anyway. I think that's what happens. That's you what do become like. a target probably, though, for, for match review committees and things like that. Yeah. If you're consistently yeah. being a person seer that, that is pinged for those things, you yeah, think? Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I think so because... Um um, you know, someone like Sam Burgess, who's, who's a really high-profile player, and the style that he plays, and um, I'm sure South Sydney wouldn't want him to change, and I'm pretty sure they came out and good and friend of the podcast, MG Mark Lyer, mate. He was one of those guys. Yeah, used to come yeah. With no, for sure. And it's, it's just the style. <laughs> he that was pretty playing. obvious, though, MG. He didn't yeah. hold back. <laughs> yeah. But that's that's our game, but Imagine you know, it is, it game. Is. it's yeah. such a aggressive thing. The thing that always, um, uh, the thing that always comes up for me is that um, rugby league players are, are put on a pedestal in terms of their what they're expected to be like in the community and yep. they're supposed to do all these things but behind the scenes you're actually trained to be these aggressive attack yeah, machines right. yeah. that are out to either run the ball hard or tackle hard so yeah. how do you split those two personalities the on-field aggression versus the the person that's that's doing the right thing in the community and and you know because you're probably one of the, the best examples of that how do you split those two things um well it's it's part of you part of who you are and it's um um, just as a person, you know, like when you're um, like anybody. Um, I, sometimes when I think about that, I think about like uh, Michael Jackson. You know, they see this like sort of soft, sort of um, sort of person when he was outside um, off the stage, but then when he was on stage, he was a beast, man. Yeah. Like he was just he, he seemed alive. so well. That's right, and he just uh, he just attracted everyone because he was just all his charisma and just the uh, just um, just a what he what just how he performed and that's probably the same as us like when we're out there we're, we're actually enjoying and having fun that's just because it's a gladiator sport we just you, as a kid and growing up that's what you do as a kid man you're just you're just having fun with all your friends and and trying to get the result that which is the win but just trying to do it together and not letting your mate down there needs is, to be that understanding though especially in the public there's a player that's off the field that's the family man that you know that wakes up and does his thing and there's a guy that takes the field like we mentioned you know Michael Ennis, you know, like blokes in the 90s, remember Mick Hancock with the Broncos. Like, you, you looked at him and you thought, geez, what a pest, what an arrogant pest. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's right. But then off the field, he's, he's a reasonable, they're reasonable, decent they're blokes, people. you know. They'll hold exactly. you 20 bucks if you need it, you know what I mean? So, I you know your coach is really, he gets emotional when he talks about some of the stuff that you do, and there's no cameras around. Um, I know it comes from your heart, but what what's the kind of catalyst to, for you to get up in the morning? I know you go and feed the homeless at times and you do stuff with the church groups. Is that just stuff that you've been doing forever, or is that what you're just picking up now? your adult life um yeah it's just um well it's sort of 
came back from um, you know as as a child and mum grew up um, growing up with mum and dad and a lot of families in the, in the, in the house and in the island home there was like heaps of us in, in one house and you you slept in a corner and you know it was very very communal thing that we done you know as a, as a family and um, and that's sort of just um, I just sort of taken that on board in terms of when I came to Canberra, I wanted to know more of Canberra, you know, because, um, you know, this game's given me, you know, a lot in terms of um, satisfaction, you know, financially, emotionally, everything, you know. Yeah. So it's my, I just felt like yeah, it's, it's my from, duty. From your, as you mentioned, you, yeah. you know, I mean, saw your, your dad was at the game on the yeah, weekend. Yeah. You're taking advantage of the post game beverages at the yeah, Raiders Western no, that's Club. Right, yeah. <laughs> so, man, it's all, it's that's all it, about it's giving it, back. Exactly you know, right. and that, Taps, for you, for someone that had to move away from home at a young age, um, and now you're here in Canberra, um, how do you find it uh, living down here and, and being a part of this community and this uh, group of players? No, yeah, I love it. Um, that was a, a big goal for me to move out of New Zealand and uh, do uh, what I love. And thankfully, I got the opportunity. And yeah, I've loved every mo- uh, moment of it, especially down in Canberra. You know, I've um, really fit in well with the boys. And um, yeah, it's just uh, kind of living your dream. And uh, it's just got to get used to it sometimes because. Uh, getting up and training every morning uh, beats working at a chicken factory what I used to do so yeah. you worked at a chicken factory yeah, what did so you do what when did I first do? came over for 20s um, is that for Teagle or Steagle nah, um, Ingham's Ingham's, <laughs> Ingham's oh, in, um, in Newcastle so I, I worked Good for nuggets. them and uh, what were you doing uh, like they'll send down chickens. <laughs> <laughs> send down like leg, leg, um, leg chickens, and you got to cut all the bones out and just put it up, and then uh, they just assess you. Boning chicken legs. Yeah, so just cutting bones out. Careful. Of chicken. <laughs> 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 I see what's it. It's a big, big step from uh, that to professional sport. Is there times there you're in the chicken factory, away from New Zealand, thinking? What am I doing here? Definitely, um, I was um, not not dreading life, but I was just like, oh, I, I was I was nearly over it. Um, you know, um, training before work, then going to work, then training after the twenties, and then not enjoying your work you're doing at the chicken farm. But uh, it all paid off at the end. And so when you when you're defending your line, you're down by <laughs> you're in front by two points. You got to make that extra tackle to to make sure the team survives. You think, oh. I don't got to make this tackle otherwise it's back to the chicken, <laughs> yeah, yeah, chicken. What's that? What's that? What boy movie? Chicken. Yeah. <laughs> but having said that, that's what makes you so grateful today that you're playing first grade rugby league and you're there and you're living the dream, man. Like a lot of us, you know, tried to play and we didn't get there, but you know, you're living the dream and you don't have to be doing counting the chickens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> having said that, Canberra, man, you've settled in. You've come from Newcastle, Canberra. How have you found Canberra? I mean, seeing you. You seem pretty comfortable around the boys, and you know you're very popular with the ladies too, mate. You're a good-looking man, <laughs> well, especially yeah, with according- his, his uh, beautiful fiance. <laughs> <laughs> still, be a, still be a calendar boy, um, but I mean, that's what, how, how's your nation's capital been treating you? What's the, some of the good spots you like about the place? No, give us um, the best thing that you like about Canberra. Ah, no, just quiet, like family. Um, like it's not busy. I don't know if I could um, do like There's a no Sydney. rat race. Thing. Yeah, it's just like um, or no rats. Doesn't take long to get to training and get home. And just chill out. Um, that's part of my week is just chilling out and just. Speaking of back home, the boys have, have dobbed you in. They've a couple of them coming here have said that you're a fortnight obsessed. So <laughs> they reckon you're training fortnight. Back training to Fortnite. Maybe a game here and there. Nah, back yeah. to Fortnite. <laughs> brush your teeth. Back to Fortnite. And then you finally say goodnight. Uh, yeah, I try, I try to get on the game as much as I can. Um, mostly when the missus at uni or something. <laughs> <laughs> she, does, 
he's, he's playing some good footy, so play as much Fortnite as you want. 100%. Get, you, you must get be on Fortnite. You must be happy with your footy that taps you. He's killing him. Well, you're in career, there's no doubt you're in career best form. You, you bounced off a, uh, an amazing World Cup for New Zealand mm. and brought it back to the Raiders. You're on the edge, you're playing good footy. You, you must be really happy where you're at. Yeah, I think it was just uh, confidence I got from the World Cup. Um, didn't really play much second row in the last couple of years and then uh, getting the opportunity to play that level yeah. and then um, just coming back and uh, coaching the boys having faith in me playing that position has just uh, really helped me out a lot and uh, just been enjoying my footy lately. We've got to give you a rap too, C.A. Absolutely. Man, you talk about good form. Oh. You're, you're playing in the number eight jersey. You must be putting these big efforts in, Frog. Seriously. Yeah, it's all from Uncle Ruben. It's Uncle Ruben. You are Ruben Wiki. You are Ruben Wiki 2.0. You started down the wing. You moved into the centres. You slowly moved your way. And now you're in the middle playing in the front row. James Graham used to like give it to me when I was over in St. Helens. He was like, yeah, you're Ruben, man. You're Ruben. I was like, oh, yeah. Hopefully I can knock someone out like he did me. That's it. He didn't miss you that time, did he? Did you get to catch up with Big Rubes on the weekend when he was down? No, I didn't get a chance, but he was um, he was sending me photos of um, having a carver session out of Queanbeyan, and, and I was um, I was close, I was close to getting yeah. there, but I was like, oh, sorry, Rubes. What is it about that too? I mean, again, spoke to your coach about uh, the fact that you're 32, coming, you're getting quite younger, and you're busting out your 80-minute performances. You mentioned that it probably takes a bit longer for you to recover afterwards. They look after you in Cotton Wool afterwards, but the 80 minutes, you weren't playing 80 minutes last year, and all of a sudden, 2018 comes around, number eight. You're killing them in the middle there, so yeah. without embarrassing you. <laughs> uh, I think it's um, uh, having guys like Taps and everyone around, um, I think this year, We've really focused on a lot of um, um, things that we need to do um, coming up to games and just the way we've sort of really focused on our processes. So not, not so much um, the big picture, but just um, especially in that first month, that first month was pretty tough for us. And it's sort of just sort of put, pulling everything back and then just getting that sort of like compound effect, just focusing yeah. on one thing after another and just chunking chunking everything away because if you're, if you're focused too much on the big picture it was, yeah. it was definitely stay in the moment yeah, yeah and each tackle at a time sort of um, added sort of added pressure from last year but whereas this year we'll just really um, just cut everything down and just really focus on everything I spoke to you earlier late last year and you mentioned that 2016 you just came out and ambushed teams early and you, and you were beating teams within the first you know, by half time, you put and that that confidence booster to know, you know, we've got the, we're going to get the win today, and that goes a long way in how you play in the second half. Yep. Twenty seventeen, you became the ambushed. Teams yep. were coming out on fire. Teams were coming out exposing your, you know, apparent weaknesses. How's it been this year? I mean, it's obviously been tough every week, but have you, how have you noticed the opposition this year in regards to how they're treating the Canberra Raiders? Um, well, I think the same, you know, um, but got to respect this, still. Yeah. Um, but in saying that, because um, uh, the dynamics of other teams in that as well have changed, I think that's sort of um, taken a little bit of focus off us and more focus on themselves. Yeah. Uh, and and you've seen that in the competition and that as well, just with the results, and just real random results that have sort of come back out. So I think some other teams are still trying to find their feet in that as well. So I think that's where... Well, I don't think we're going to get focus. a clear picture of... Yeah, anyway, right. so probably around 16 to 20. You and know? then you've like, got the combination of like the referees and how they're officiating the yeah, game and that as well. Well, yeah, so it's just like well. everyone's still yeah, trying to get a gauge on how, yeah. how the game's just yeah. going to be. So sometimes you 
just don't know what Without you're going to get. Getting in the too game. boring and footy tactical. How have you found the, the change in the ruck there in regards to the you know, foot on the ball and teams aren't running out? I know last year that a lot of teams tried to slow this ruck down because of the you know the, the speed that you guys like to play. Yeah, the scrap us in the ruck and you know Push keep you us like, on the ground. Exactly. You limit that Rapana and Leilua runs out of dummy half. And but even Osta, he loves to get the ball at pace on a blind side and try to hook up with someone as well. Yep. Have he's both found it. Uh, Taps, how have you found it? the whole ruck being policed like that now? Yeah, it's um, it was slower. Yeah, yeah. At the start of the year, you know, they definitely um, cracked down on it as well. But uh, it starts to loosen up during the year, I think. And um, no, it's it's sometimes it's frustrating, but then you think it's happening to all the teams. So uh, yeah, you got to just get used to it. I know, as a fan, there's nothing more frustrating than when you 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 work your way through a set of defensive six. You get the fifth tackle, and you give a penalty away. That must be. Mm. Is that the most frust- one of the most frustrating things you can go through on a footy field? Because I, it seems to happen to us a bit. We got a, about three times on the weekend where we got to play five, and we just gave away a penalty for something really scrappy, like a hand on the ball or yep. holding down too long. Is that things that you guys talk about behind the scenes about trying to get rid of that sort of stuff? Yeah, for sure. Well, that's something that we've always addressed. Um, I think the difference between last year and this year because it's. Um, something that'll that you, you can't you can't take that away. It's, yeah. it's all it's all one of those things that just happen in, in, in a quick moment. But uh, the difference between last year and this year, um, the whole team mentality and the whole attitudes changed yep. in terms of if, if that does happen, we're just going to have to back ourselves and yep. go again. Move on. You know? no, it's about it. yeah. But um, you know, coming off like, like what you guys were sort of talking about, you know, with all the officiating and all that stuff. Like I don't mind that, but just as long as it's consistent throughout for everyone. Yeah. You know, not just one, one team or another. A battle. I got to chat to Bill Harrigan a week ago and I asked him about it and he mentioned that they're all for it because they want to see by round 18, round 19, have a really solid, tight, structured game of football and the yeah. best of the player will come out. It's just a messy, necessary evil to get through. But yeah. Hopefully everyone buys in because they're stubbornly not going to hold back and they're no, going to keep blowing that whistle if need be. That's right. And if it, if it cleans up the game, it makes it a better game and a better yeah. product for people to watch. Then, as I said, as we said, we're, talk, we're all for it, but it's just got yeah. to be consistent. That's right. Exactly. That's right. Yeah. Um, boys, uh, we're talking about perspective before and we had a bit of a laugh about the chicken farm, but yeah. uh, in terms of perspective, I suppose it didn't get any bigger for you guys this year than with the news earlier uh, in January of when Cardo Odio tragically passed away. And, and this weekend, we get an opportunity to continue to honour his memory by wearing the Indigenous jersey with his name um, imprinted on the on the jersey itself. I mean, that must be a, a big thing for you guys to be able to, to do something once again special for his memory like we did earlier in the year. Yeah, it's tough emotionally and on, and on the boys and especially seeing uh, his parents and family come over. Yeah, um, it's, it's tough. It was tough on all the boys. It was, uh, came as a shock, really. Didn't believe it at first and then then kind of you know the news came out and you just have to try and you know um kind of deal with it in your own kind of way but um i'm glad that we get to uh, honor cuts as um memory this week yeah and that's right well the jerseys themselves will be auctioned off um with the money going towards the memorial fund and yeah. that's something that see i know you were a big part of us helping to set up and establish to raise that money for his family yeah that's right and um you know it was pretty cool um with Jason, the team, and the whole concept of our Indigenous jersey, and now they didn't know. Not only did they um, uh, acknowledge um, the Indigenous people here, but um, a lot of the other cultures in that as well, which was great, and uh, hence why there was all the handprints and stuff on it, with just the different um, cultures around it, surrounding it, which was great. I th- thought that was a great idea, with um, especially acknowledging Katul and um, mm. the PNG uh, community with that one. But um, yeah, just off the back, what uh, Taps was saying, it was. 
you know, as, as tough as it was, um, mate, it was great that um, in round two, albeit we, we lost that game, but then to look at the bigger picture afterwards when we acknowledged um, the big fella, That's um, right. you know, with the, the um, commemoration. That was such an amazing little experience. It was, that, it was, it was pretty cool. Everyone you who know. stuck around that night was Man, just touched by it was, the, the gesture. It was awesome that when you, you let the... Um, you know the emotional thing for me when they let the balloons go, yeah. and then that yeah, that was really, there, yeah. really, really touching. His mum um, was so strong during that whole. Oh um, man, the whole yeah. she was I mean, a beast. She was yeah, amazing. She, was an animal. Yeah. she got to meet all the uh, all the boys. Went up and paid their respects um, to the whole family afterwards. And uh, in the end, um, behind the scenes, when we were down underneath the shed, in the sheds after the game, you know, she was overcome with emotion and yeah. just seeing the the guys rally around her and and give her a cuddle and you know yourself and Joshua Parley and guys like that just going up and just making sure she was okay I mean those little things she'll never forget those moments that's right and it's like with cuts or situation they're all things that doesn't matter who you are as a person or as a human being or what you do we can all relate to cuts or situation you know just trying to better better his family Try and buy his mum's house, man. That's uh, you yeah, couldn't no, couldn't couldn't relate to that yeah. any closer than that as well. NRL players, you, you sometimes be seen as robots, you know, out there doing your thing, you know, on the news, yada yada yada. But it's great to see the humane stuff. We spoke to the boys about how you know how tricky it is when you have an off day coming into work, how you deal with it. But the fact that you're going there and he left the club, and the fact that you're still kind of you know doing your part in there to get in that house, it's beautiful to see. I love too that witness. He never actually got there to play, yeah, game, yeah, but they're doing stuff for him as well. As well. So that's just rugby league, I think. As a oh, it's great. They always say rugby league people are good people. Uh, to move on to um, you know to the game against uh, the Sharkies. We mentioned, um, you know, Dave Fafita. Yeah, he's been playing some good footy there. He's been there given the captaincy. He really relishes in that leadership role. Andrew? He said he said Dave twice. Because I, I read a story about Dave this oh, morning. Oh, we playing Wakefield up there. <laughs> <laughs> he's good. Uh, yeah, I mean, big game. The Sharkies, they love coming to Canberra to play. No, you know, um, you know they've pipped us the last couple of years, especially I mean, we still feel the effects of that. Um, you know, forty-two last, and the 40, well, they got forty-two points on us last year, and then the year before when they they put us in the in the prelims. And then but, forty before that too, remember? Yeah, so man, they love. They love getting us um, over here. So, but you get them over no, we got to, we got to, um, yeah, no, that's right. But we got to, you know, we have a big task ahead of us and and trying to change that around. Um, you know, we we realise that they do have a few injuries there, but you know, in saying that, the guys that are coming Don't through, that. yeah, yeah, that's right. And the, the yeah, wall, that's right. They'll, they'll have that really siege mentality and coming in and, and the two coaches like thinking us. Yeah, we watch out? Who's the danger man for the Sharkies, mate? Yeah, like you said, Fida is a strong, strong player. Uh, gets through a lot of work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> that's why I just said for Fida. <laughs> nah, um, yeah, he gets through a lot of work. Um, and we just got to um, control him and we'll be fine, I think. Um, but like, like you said, there's a lot of injuries and um, you got to uh, consider all these people coming up. They yeah. don't want to play as good as they, they can. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Scotty Sorensen Sorens just come in, and man, he's, yeah, he's just been playing. I think he broke his hand on the weekend. Oh, did he? I think he'll miss oh, out this man. one. Yeah. Oh. Now these big games also bring a lot of energy in the, in the intensity there. Playing in front of a packed crowd really adds to that, doesn't it? 
and it's such a good supplement for you guys running out there right, in a packed green stadium. Yeah, it's, especially a Viking clap, you know, when you run out onto the field. The big games. Big games, and it's just, especially against someone like the Sharks. It's amazing what yeah. a difference 11 to 14,000 can make at that stadium. When you get to that 14, yeah. 15,000, it's just hectic. Let's get 20,000. Let's get 20,000. I keep thinking. No excuse, the weather's still great in Canberra. Get a support, let's bring them home. Boys, we've got to leave it there. You've got to get to training, go and watch some video and hit the paddock for the afternoon session but thanks for coming sure in can't stay Joey's got to go he's got to stage four thanks for coming in all the best for the weekend uh, rip in and let's hope we get the win alright thanks everyone on the Behind the Limelight podcast we present Forever Green we talk to players from the past that wore the lime green jersey with pride passion and plenty of courage Michael Maguire, thank you and welcome to the Behind the Limelight podcast. Thanks, Nick. I appreciate being here. Mate, let's just get straight into it. Uh, obviously, you're a Canberra boy. You went to St. Edmunds. Canberra is a big rugby league, rugby union town. What was it like for yourself growing up here in Canberra, going to Eddie's? Was there an aspiration to play for the Raiders? Was that the goal? Was that the carrot to chase? Uh, well, not not really at the start, I've got to say. I mean, I I uh, sort of was at a St. Edmunds uh, school as a young kid playing rugby union. I I had a fairly strong family that uh, supported rugby union. Uh, but mm. when I was uh, a young kid going through St. Eddie's, uh, Ricky Stewart managed to sort of come back and uh, become a teacher for a period of time. But I think we played more touch football than any teaching. And uh, I guess watching his career go into rugby league was something that uh, I was fairly envious of as a young bloke coming through. And I was fortunate you know, to go through St. Eddie's and we played in the Waratah Shield and we won the Waratah Shield and had a bit of fun there uh, with my uh, schoolmates. And I guess it was sort of through the back end of the schooling that rugby league started to become a little bit of appeal to myself. Uh, I always enjoyed watching it, you know, watching the Raiders. They were always my team as a young kid growing up. And from there, I, it was one day I just actually uh, read that there was a trial in the papers uh, for the Raiders. The Raiders at the time were going through a few salary cap uh, yeah. issues. And After 91. In 91, yeah. They were, they were looking for some players and it just happened to be that... Uh, I saw this interview in the paper and I had to sneak next door and get the next door neighbour to take me along to the trial because the old man wasn't uh, really keen on me playing rugby league at the oh, time. Wow. And I went along and Tim Sheens was the coach at the time. And uh, from there, you know, I sort of obviously did something that appealed to Tim. And, uh, yeah, the phone calls came about going and pursuing a bit of rugby league. And I used to have to slip out of the house. And in that first year, I was sort of uh, turned 18 and... Uh, that that year, I sort of managed to find my way through every grade. I, I started in the under-19s, I think it was. Uh, I was still learning, I guess, the game at the time and went into the under-21s and then uh, played reserve grade. And I was fortunate then that same year that I played outside Mal Meninga against Manly uh, as an 18-year-old. 18 and I think I was probably about half the size of Mal at the time. Yeah. Because uh, uh, I was a bit of a late bloomer, I suppose, in growth. And 
and that's where it all sort of took off. You had your first great debut there against Manly. That was the infamous game where Jeff Toovey picked up Big Mal and, and drove him back a, a few metres there. What was it like as a kid there playing? Yeah, yeah, that that debut game for any player is always a special one because you, mm. you've got a lot of family and friends there and I remember running out onto the stadium and you could hear the roar uh, from just my family members because the, the, the crowds there, were they got behind the team and uh, it was just a, a great moment. I remember, I, I think the first game, probably a couple of moments in that game weren't the best because I think uh, I played wing. They put me on the wing for the first time. I'd never played wing in my life before yeah. in a game of rugby league and Mao was running down the sideline, and I think he was trying to indicate for me to go back back inside. And uh, Look, I was that tiny and that small. I kept running down the sideline. I think I, I ran him out of space. And, you know, I remember Big Mao looking at me <laughs> as if to say, well, you meant to run back inside. So you remember all those sorts of little moments in that debut game. But that's what makes it so special. We didn't win that game, unfortunately. And I remember sitting in the change room, and it was just quiet. Um, and, you know, I had a number of senior players. And, I remember Gary Belcher came over to me and he, he just said, you know, man, this is a, this is a beginning of something that, you know, it's up to you how hard you want to train and play, but uh, you know, you're now here. And you get those little lessons off a lot of those senior players as you're coming through and, and they stick with you for life. Uh, and yeah. that's what that's what makes the sport so special is that, you know, whether it's a debut or your, your 50th game or 100th game, you know, you, you do remember moments throughout your career and, you know, to be able to have been around those players through that period of time, uh, the way they train, just simple things that you, know, you pick up from the the best in the game at the time. Uh, it's you know sometimes you get very fortunate for where you end up, and you know I was very fortunate to be around some uh, great players at the time. Mad, you mentioned uh, obviously some horrific injuries for the, for the next couple of years, but you made your way back into first grade in '95. I remember quite clearly you were quite dominant there as a centre. You know, in '95, could try score a man that could find the line. That was a, probably a good time for you playing those uh, handful of first grade games. Yeah, it was. I mean, as any player, I mean, if you can play regularly, your, your confidence grows and your belief grows and you learn about, you know, the players around you. And I, I think that's the key sometimes to to being able to play the game is it, playing consistently because it's, it's like most things that the more you do it, the better you get. And, you know, playing alongside those type of players. That, you know, and I remember one game where, you know, Laurie Daly, I mean, you, you understand why some of the greats are who they are as, you know, Loz basically said, look, on play five, Madge, I want you to run outside this certain player on the on the other side of the field. You know, and next thing the play goes up one edge and next thing all of a sudden he's coming back and he's putting me th- straight through a hole under the post for a try. And wow. yeah, those sort of moments, uh, you know, again, has helped me uh, to to sort of pursue into the coaching side of things. Mm. But, uh, yeah, you understand why the great um, players of the game, you know, become like that because they can just read passages of play, they can see it five minutes ahead or ten minutes ahead of what they're trying to achieve and uh, those sorts of things that you, you remember, especially when you become a coach. Yeah, look, you moved on to the Rams uh, during the Super League period but then uh, made your way back to Canberra and that's where for me personally I got to experience uh, yourself as, as a guy moving on after post-career. I remember after you played in 98 I was involved with Harold Matthews and Jersey Fleet yeah. growing up through and yourself and blokes like Jason Burnham who we're kind of like finished up playing, but now you were kind of moving on to strength and conditioning. A lot of thing I remember about you is first of all, you used to flog us a lot during the off season and you had that, you had that way about you. But what I noticed as well, and being a man that was quite into his football and what Tim Sheen's done at the club, you were quite innovative. You were the guy that brought in the CIT college. We used to go to CIT up the road there at Bruce and have a briefing about nutrition, education about drugs. You brought the professionalism into the young age. I knew that you kind of led that quite a bit. 
What was it now about yeah that, that you got into that kind of PE side of things? Was it because of the injuries and, and what was it about you yeah, that, that took that reign of being a strength and conditioning coach? Yeah, it's interesting you say that, Nick. I, I guess you're probably right. I mean, through injury, you, you've got to find ways to improve. Uh, you know, I spent a lot of time on the sideline trying to work out how I could actually just get back out in the field. And I guess that became part of who I, I am now, is that I was always intrigued to find something that would actually improve whether or not, you know, I had a strained hamstring or quad or I did a, I had two or three ankle recos. And so you're always looking for ways to get better. And I guess I felt that was something that I could take into the playing group because mm. if you can find that one little percent, which is, you know, everyone talks about that you can get better, then the whole team will get better. And I guess it was a bit of a philosophy that I took into my coaching is that if I could impart that on, on the players, that uh, they had a little bit more knowledge, whether it was about a diet, uh, you know, eating the right foods prior to games and through mm. the week and, you know, you can get them bigger and stronger. Well, that's only going to help when you're you're running around. Without embarrassing you, Major, I remember as as a junior and as as they do in seniors today, just before Christmas, uh, we get the big programs we have to maintain by ourselves. And we're up there at CIT and yourself and Burnham, Jace there were uh, giving us our program that we had to maintain during the Christmas stand-down period. But the way you explained it, and the importance behind it and the passion that was coming through your words and, and through your slides, it, it made us all want to do it. Yeah, yeah no, I'm glad you're saying that, Nick. I guess when the, the game gets taken away from you too, uh, you know, at such a young age, you, you realise the importance of your time as a young bloke coming through and you can't miss an opportunity because mm. uh, you, know, you, you may never get that again. And you know, I guess that's what's made me very hungry as a coach because there's uh, no better feeling than seeing a, a bunch of men that you've uh, been able to help develop into into a strong team and, and go and perform because you know that it can actually uh, might not be there the following week or you know the following year. So I think that's where the passion uh, lies from myself that you know you, you've got to take your opportunities and, and a lot of people tell you that as a, a young bloke or a young girl coming through their sporting careers and you, mm. you've got to take the moment. But you know, unfortunately for myself, I guess I experienced it and I just want to make sure that young people don't miss that opportunity because uh, you get a lot of special moments out of being a part of team sports and, and, you know, a lot of friendships that you grow over a long period of time. And I think, you know, even though I was uh, a bit older than some of the guys that I was coaching at the time, you know, I've still got great memories or, you know, I might want to pass down the street and you know, you're running to one of these kids that have gone on to, to be better in whether or not it was sport or just their uh, their trade that they're in mm. because of things that they take out of sport. And, you Absolutely. Know, sport's very... That's a big learning curve for a lot of people. And, you know, if you're always improving as a sportsman, well, that tends to slide over into the way you live your life. What was it like uh, at South there, being a Canberra boy, growing through the ranks, playing, you know, playing some football with the Raiders and then being the head coach of the most historical club in the game of rugby league in the Winter Premiership? Would have been huge for you? Probably the, the greatest memory I have is that I just had a... I managed to sort of stand um, in the middle of the ground after the grand final and... I just sort of had it for a brief moment. I just watched and observed, and it was uh, to watch a team wander around uh, the, the field after having success and seeing the fans. You know, there, a lot of people stayed after that game. I remember mm. even there was a lot of Canterbury jerseys. I, I think it was for you know it was a bit of a, a story throughout rugby league for a long time that South being taken out of the competition and coming into the competition. It was mm. uh, one of those fairy tale stories. So you know, everyone stayed around for after the game and it was just a great moment in time for, for rugby league but I, you know, I remember the times of way back in 94 I, I, I was uh, you know when Canberra won mm. I remember going down to the Mawson Club and yeah. uh, there were thousands of people you know, celebrating and I remember seeing the team up on the 
the balcony there and, yeah. you know, the drawers that they had there. So, you know, when you go through something like that, it's, uh, it's a memory and uh, you get to share that with a, a great bunch of people. And I think that's what you get out of it. It's the people you meet. Madge, I remember, I remember personally seeing you go through, obviously leaving, was it was a big loss for the Raiders when you went to Melbourne, when, when Bellamy took you down there and obviously you, you cut your teeth around that organisation. And then seeing, I think, a lot of people that kind of followed you up growing through as a Canberra and what you're doing in the game. And then when you got the gig at Wigan, it was like, for me personally, I knew, okay, he's got everything when it comes down to strength and conditioning. You know, he's all these ABCs. I can't wait to see how he goes as a coach. You go to Wigan and you win the premiership. Yeah, it was, um, yeah, something that I learned really from the previous years. So I guess, you know, I was, you know, what the Raiders allowed me to do and uh, when I was there as a coach, uh, you know, what they gave me, the opportunity really was, was probably the biggest thing that I always uh, thank the Mighty Raiders because of the chance that they gave me. Uh, mm. And then that took me to Melbourne where I was very fortunate to, to be at a club that was pretty well at cutting edge at that time. And, mm. you know, we were able to get in and out of AFL clubs that were were doing things at, um, you know, at a really high level. So we were able to bring that to... Uh, the processes of what went on there at the storm, and if I could ask you what you took from these respective coaches that you played under and worked with, playing with Mal Meninga and also playing uh, alongside, you know, being alongside him in the coaching ranks. Oh, that's a really hard question, Nick, because I think you learn a lot. I think you you can't really isolate one thing that you learn. I mean, Mal's stature in the game, and you know what Mal stood for in the game. Yeah, you know, what I saw him when he was training. All those things uh, that you learn uh, along the way from Tim Sheens to, to Craig Bellamy and I guess I was fortunate, you know, through my walks I was able to spend some time with some incredible people. I, you know, I had some time with Alex Ferguson uh, wow. when I was over in England, you know, where wow. he, he came and spoke to the players and, you know, I spent quite a number of times where I just catch up and have a coffee with him and, and Craig, his work ethic, and everyone talks about his work ethic and it is, if you if you choose to work hard and you you put your time into it, you're going to get rewards, and that's really that what every coach is trying to uh, trying to do. You know, I asked Mal and, and Laurie and Ricky about Billy Acres as a player, and exactly they said he didn't have the natural skill, but his work ethic was second to none, and he and he kind of instills that on his squads today, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Yeah, I actually played my first reserve grade outside Billy Ake and you know. I, I was covered in uh, saliva more than anything else because, yeah, you know, his chat and his his, his his emotion and all those sorts of different things. So nothing's changed there with Belag. He's uh, he's still the same. Which uh, I think that's what you become as who you are as a coach is is who you've uh, who you've been yeah. prior to that. And yeah, you know, that's you've got to make sure that your personality is what it is. And I think that's yeah, for any coach. What about Tim Sheens? Uh, he was excellent. Yeah, Tim. Uh, you know, gave me my my real opportunity. I think. Uh, yeah, you know, when Tim spent a lot of time sort of developing myself uh, on and off the field, uh, that's one thing about Tim. He was he worked hard on the person, and he also worked hard on your knowledge. And I think that was something that is the reasons why Tim has lasted. I mean, he's still overseas doing it. You know, the, the, and you could, actually his passion as well around. Great, Michael Maguire. Time now for the Raiders Forever Green set of six. First question: What do you do now for work, Madge? Uh, currently doing a bit uh, with the NRL. I'm, uh, they call me a high performance uh, in officiating and leadership. So I'm doing bits and pieces right across the game, um, working with the refs uh, to, to obviously upskill in various areas, bring football to uh, that group. Uh, I'm also doing some stuff there with uh, the leadership around uh, the NRL and, and just really adding a bit more of a footy flavour to, to what goes on in the office. But uh, obviously in time, um, the passion, as you know, Nick, is, is the coaching side and mm. 
yeah, at some stage there, I'll uh, get myself back in. But it's been a bit of a, a really good break. Uh, but uh, you know, I can say that I'm ready to do a dive back in and uh, have another crack at it. I'm sure you'll get picked up soon. I mean, we'd mentioned about the skills that you have in the, in a, the human level with the plays. What the, you know, what plays headspaces can be at the times. Now you're learning the referee stuff even more. You'll be such an attractive package uh, for a club yeah, moving uh, forward. Yeah, it's amazing how much you do learn when you're uh, around the, the refs. I've got to say they uh, they're very diligent about how they go about their work. Uh, but, uh, you know, you, you do tend to find out a few extra little uh, things around the game when you're hanging around the guys that are blowing the whistle. So uh, I'm looking forward to being able to take that at some stage. Well, that's, <laughs> that's, why I, that's why I thought I'd call you now, just in case you get to another club. Uh, we move on to question two. <laughs> Matt, what did it mean for you to wear the Raiders jersey? Oh, it was everything. Uh, look, I, you know, I grew up, as I said earlier, uh, looking up to a lot of the players that played in and around the Raiders and, uh, look, it set me on to what I've been able to do now. Uh, mm. You know, if it wasn't obviously for the for the green jersey, I I wouldn't be uh, you know telling stories about Wigan and Melbourne and yeah. and obviously South. So, uh, to, you know, it's a very special club. Favorite teammate and why? Oh, favorite teammate. Uh, look, there's oh, there's many. Uh, I've got to say, um, that's a tough one. Nick. I think uh, you know, I always found uh, I really enjoyed all the players that uh, played at uh, the yeah. Raiders. I've got to say, you know, the different characters of Steve Walters and. Yeah, it was Ricky that, you know, he'd be into someone or, you know, Dave Ferner. You, you had many different characters. Dave mm. Burnham, Luke DeFleco, you could, look, I, I could really mention them all. They they all have something about them that we've all got a memory together of spending a bit of time there at the at the, at the Raiders. So, yeah, I don't really want to just isolate one. Well, you and Jace Burnham became a bit of a Tweedledum and Tweedledee there for a while, you know, yeah, uh, did, yeah, through, through, yeah. through the ranks there especially. But, you, you know, it was good because we were young blokes coming through and you guys were... Not you were kind of bridge generation. You weren't the old guys just yet, but you were relatively young and you were kind of hip and you knew how to kind of communicate with that younger generation. So that was really important. And I think the game lacks yeah. that today. Yeah. Well, Jason and I sort of spent a fair bit of time together and um, over the years. And you know, he's a great character, Jason. You know, he's very passionate about you know improving people and mm. and, and coaching. So, yeah, you know, I guess we were very like minded at the time, and uh, we enjoyed really helping the young kids coming through because we understood how how great it was to, to be around team. So, I think that really added to um, obviously you know the, the coaching side moving forward for both of us. Funniest moment match at the club. Oh, funniest moment! Wow, you got me now. G rated stuff though. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. You're probably uh, a really tough one. Oh, look, oh, I think the fact that um, Steve Walters and Sean McRae, the two characters, every time you turn up to training, um, you, know, you never knew what was going to happen next. You know, they, they they got stuck into each other. You'd be in the middle of a fitness drill and Box would uh, be ripping into Sean McRae and all of a sudden Sean McRae would throw a one-liner and you'd be in stitches, even though you're um, you know, trying to find something to actually finish off a fitness drill. So, yeah, a couple of stories like that. I spoke to Lazo last week on this uh, on the Forever Green chat here on Behind the Limelight, and he mentioned that in the in the late nineties, or sorry, early nineties, they used to laugh Sean Bomber McRae out of the change rooms because he'd get him to warm down. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Old Bomber was uh, he was actually a bit ahead of himself there uh, in those early days, but um, yeah, that's when they started really bringing in the warm ups and the warm downs, and uh, yeah, so he, he brought a few different things to the training, but uh, I think his humour was probably something that the boys always enjoyed. Favourite memory of the club? Oh, looking at see, seeing them win in 94. Uh, unfortunately, I you know, I was actually part of the squad there, but I ended up doing my ankle and got an ankle Rico, and uh, you know, I sort of uh, missed the opportunity of probably just being in and around that group, but it was seeing the club win. I think uh, yeah, what it did for the Canberra community. What advice uh, would you give to the current Raiders players? Oh, take your opportunity. 
I think uh, that's uh, one thing you know, I tell all players is that uh, don't miss it. And uh, yeah, you, you might have a bit of sacrifice, but uh, when you win and you, you can do things together as a group, that's um, yeah. Sometimes it's bigger than yourself because you're winning for the community and the people around you. Uh, there, there's some special moments that you'll get that very hard to explain. But uh, I think uh, you know, take your opportunity. Michael McGuire, thank you very much for joining us on Behind the Limelight. Thanks, Nick. I appreciate uh, you having me on, mate, and uh, always uh, yeah, a supporter in the background of the Mighty Raiders.